0: hello and welcome to the daily zen podcast this is now episode five my name is charlie ambler the creator of the daily zen you probably found this podcast on twitter um, but if you didn't i thank you for taking a chance on something you just randomly found on itunes and i hope that you'll check out twitter.com slash daily zen because that's where the main part of this whole project is Usually I answer questions that you ask on Twitter on the podcast or discuss them more so than answer them, but uh, I've been recording more of them than I anticipated, and so uh, I've basically run out of questions. So I think I'm just going to answer some, like discuss some topics that I have been thinking about in my own life, I guess, Um, and the one that I thought was most prescient for today was gratitude, because uh, it's a crucial part of pretty much every spiritual teaching, but um, I don't think that I really understood how it relates to the good life, so to speak, until fairly recently. Um, I think it's really easy to, to say that gratitude is a good quality to have. A lot of people perceive it as, you know, being good precisely because it's something that Um, is pleasant to other people. When you say thank you to someone, you are effectively, you know, telling them that they matter to you and that what they're doing has purpose and just generally being affirmative of them as as another human being. And when you experience other people giving you gratitude, it's, you know, pretty much all the time a positive experience. But the spiritual element of gratitude that I didn't really understand until I ramped up my meditation practice more intensely is this sort of idea that if when we zoom back we see that we suffer a lot in life because there's a lot of stuff that we want that we don't have there's stuff that we have that we don't want emotions feelings people things Um, and we sort of spend a lot of time in our lives defining what's there, what's not there, and creating this fissure between fantasy and reality and expectation and result that leads to a lot of attachments, leads to a lot of negative feelings, leads to a lot of disappointments and upsets and difficulties, delusions, addictions, even mental disorders, things like that, neuroses, pretty much all of our problems, barring the ones that are caused by external physical factors or chemical deformities, pretty much all of our problems are created by our attachments to all these different things. And the more attachments we have to concepts that aren't rooted in reality, to the more someone wants to be famous or rich or loved or accepted or successful or beautiful, whatever it is, the less possible it is for them to feel the end result of acquiring any of those things, which is just contentment, Uh, which this is just when I first figured this out, like just from, I don't know, meditating and being alive, I was just baffled that it's so simple. Um, If you if you create your ideal life um, using a million different qualifiers and complicated standards and all these different things it makes it more and more difficult to actually feel what you are trying to get out of life through attaching yourself to those things, which is just contentment and happiness to the feeling that you've arrived. And the more distance we put between ourselves and where we think we want to go, the harder it is to actually arrive. And the irony being that we pretty much never arrive. Um, People are always just causing a ruckus trying to make themselves, you know, prettier, happier, fitter, Um, more successful, more rich, whatever, you know, you can enter that here. Enter, uh, insert quality here. Everyone seems, I mean, I don't know, I live in New York, so I see it very, very intensely all day long. People just chasing after things, you know. People convince themselves that they have to do five different degrees of strange convoluted activities that, waste a lot of their time, like overworking and stressing about relationships or manipulating other people just to just to get what they think they want. Um, but what we want isn't ever really what we want. When we want another person, we don't want that person. We want the feeling that they provide us with, the feeling of contentment, of being wanted, of being accept, accepted, all these things. And so... The crucial thing, this is all coming back, don't worry. The crucial thing about gratitude is that it shortens the distance between where you are and where you want to be to feel content. It's extremely simple. I mean, all it takes is having whatever you have, you know, whether you're a billionaire or um, a homeless person, whether you are able-bodied or, or um, quote-unquote disabled, whether you think that you have it all or you think that your life sucks, it doesn't matter. All And, and a, there's proof that it doesn't matter. I mean, there's, there's tons of extremely um, privileged, successful people who are just miserable. And there's lots of people who have pretty much nothing who are perfectly satisfied with their lot. Uh, the choice is with them, and the choice is precisely how grateful they are. Uh, And this isn't something you can force. And that's where the meditation aspect comes in. Because I think to a certain degree, we each have to pay our dues in order to be able to feel gratitude. It's accessible right now, but you've placed so many barriers between yourself and it that a lot of times we have to devote ourselves to some sort of practice to feel it. Um, Now... A lot of the goals that we set for our lives that make us ungrateful, that make us greedy, that make us overproductive, overstriving, and unhappy, a lot of those goals are unattainable. They're unrealistic. Some of them take years, even lifetimes to achieve. And that's, you know, foolish to, you know, place, you're placing a bet that you you're, you're betting everything on something that could very well not happen. Um, and so that causes a lot of people unhappiness. Now, the the funny thing being that the, the path from gratitude to contentment is a lot quicker than the path from acquisition in the external world to contentment, uh, which can pretty much be impossible or take forever. The path to gratitude is simply the path towards self-realization, which is what most spiritual traditions are rooted in. When a you know when a good christian prays to god they're not praying to god um they're not thanking god for the meal so that they get into heaven or so that they can feel like they're a good person or anything when we when we sit and we just say thank you to whatever it is it doesn't have to be god it can be anything it can be another person that's right in front of you when we say thank you and when we say i'm i'm really grateful for whatever is in front of me right now for what I have, for who I'm with for what I believe, for how far I've come for what I have yet to do, all of these whatever, when you sit down and you say I'm grateful with these things and I can, my mind can be at ease because I'm, I, my mind can be at ease because I'm grateful when we can say that with actual honesty and with genuine conviction that is the That is the shortest and most fulfilling path to happiness. Uh, It's the least wasteful path to happiness. It's a path that doesn't cause others any harm. It's a path that, you know, doesn't hurt nature or doesn't rely on anything in the external world. It's simply this path of you saying to yourself, I am content with where I'm at, with what I'm doing, with who I'm with, with what I have. It's enough for me. And then you've arrived, and it's so simple. And it's so funny that we try to convince ourselves that the destination is, you know, more important than the journey. Um, Every, you know, if you look at it as every different tiny little point of the journey is that destination in that moment, because what else is it? Why else are you, you know, there's (laughs) there's no other way really to look at it. Um, and so when we start to realize, uh, you know, like uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, the Zen Buddhist monk, who's very famous, who I'm sure you've heard of, said, or has a book titled Peace is Every Step. And that's the crux of it. I mean, if you can learn to be graceful and grateful in every moment, no matter what, um, for something, to to be able to flex that muscle... Instead of finding something that's missing, finding what's there and savoring it and being open to seeing what is there when it feels like the world isn't giving you anything. That's the impulse that creates a happy life. The wonderful thing being that when you do that, (laughs) it frees a lot of energy in your head to actually do the things you want to do. To actually be creative, to actually be productive, to actually be there for other people, to cultivate great relationships, great jobs, great lives without feeling like everything is always greener on the other side of the fence. And I think that's really the secret to happy people, as far as I can tell. Especially happy people as they age, you can kind of get an idea of how (laughs) how the happiness endures. You know, some people achieve something great and they're happy for a few years and then it kind of fades because they realize that it's not... You, you can't rest on your laurels for too long, you know, because those are just external like anything else. So the crucial thing is just to take a step back, to look inside yourself and to uncover that sense of gratitude because all that you can feel when you achieve your wildest dreams you know when you experience your wildest pleasures or reach your highest highs all you can experience is that feeling that you and that you're capable right now of uncovering within yourself and that's the reason for prayer that's the reason for the journey up the mountain that's the reason for meditation really i mean buddhists pretend that it's about that it's about nothing but it's really about looking within and uncovering the truth of you of whoever you are and realizing that you can't change it or make it any better and so it has to be enough otherwise you're going to live the you're going to live life in delusion and disaffection so yeah I've, I've been thinking about that for a few days as a topic for the podcast so I wanted to discuss that Um, How much time do we have? That was 12 minutes. Well, I just asked on Twitter if anyone had any last-minute topic ideas, so let's see what anyone says. (coughs) There's a few. Okay. Someone said social conflict how to have a view but not impose or enforce it that sort of relates to this because I feel like whenever I've interacted with people who are conflict seeking they're people who in the moment are often incapable of taking a step back and realizing that everything's going to be okay and so as a result there's sort of this anxious muscle that people flex where they have to create tensions with others and create conflicts, micro-conflicts that can then be solved in order for them to feel like something has been accomplished, to feel that feeling of contentment. So, you know, you'll find your—it's everyone finds themselves in those situations at some point, especially in the, in the workplace because the workplaces are full of people who are trying to acquire something that is indefinitely far away and inventing little micro-problems that can be solved to give you that little dopamine rush of having solved them is a is a clever way of um, passing the time. It's sort of like a prison game, you know, where you're like you know writing the tr- drawing a chalk line on the wall and then you've accomplished drawing that chalk line on the wall. Solving a, a needless interpersonal conflict is pretty much as futile as that. It's just sort of a way people distract themselves from unpleasant feelings they have about other things and as soon as I realized that I mean I got out of the as soon as I got out of college I made it my goal during college in New York to not have to end up in an office and I spent most of my summers and weekdays while I was studying working also and by the end I was just like okay I have the utmost determination not to deal with all of these little petty social conflicts and I will figure out a way how to do things myself. So I feel your pain, whoever asked that question. Um, But back to the actual question, the way to um, address those conflicts is pretty much through uh, (laughs) tactical indifference, I would say. Not being so ignorant of what's going on that you fall into a trap, but keeping your distance. It's always good to keep distance because if you have mental distance from <coughs> the situation itself, like if it doesn't involve you or if it's political or if it's just nonsense, involving yourself is the only thing that makes you a part of the problem. And so keeping your distance sort of is a good way to to potentially think of a solution that you can implement on the sly or just wait because the people who caused the conflict are likely going to be the ones who solve it precisely because they created it so they could have the power of solving it if that makes sense and that seems to be true across the board even in relationships and friendships oftentimes someone starts a conflict when they're in a bad mood or, you know oftentimes a pretty rotten mood and then they get over it in the, in themselves and then the conflict just sort of disappears because it wasn't real it was just, uh, you know, something the person was inventing to occupy themselves with while they were experiencing a difficult emotion. Now, that doesn't mean we should write off other people's concerns and conflicts as, you know, just being invented by them. There are obviously things that occur that are truly need to be addressed. But, you know intuitively when those come about and you might be in a position where you don't think something needs to be addressed and other people do and that's in the sort of realm of let's take a step back and just see if other people can figure it out you know Uh, a lot of people perceive that attitude as being indifferent or apathetic but it's not because there's a sort of apathy that comes from needing to create conflict and so if you can be around, surrounded by that chaos and not participate, you're contributing to the peace of the situation at large. You know, if you can strategically provide some sort of input without involving yourself in it, that's also useful. But, you know, everything like that always seems to pass. Usually quicker than... Passes quicker if you don't involve yourself than it does if you do. Because then you're inventing another problem within a problem to solve yourself, you know what I mean? It's sort of this snowball. And most of the times you hear about these things going on whether they're in workplaces or I don't know, schools or governments or anything it's always these snowballs, you know, maybe it starts with one or two lies uh, or one or two misunderstandings and then pretty soon, you know, everyone is living this, is, is participating in this giant fake problem and I mean, we've seen that happen with every presidential administration ever, you know, because people need to create problems that they can solve in order to acquire their own power, feeling of being powerful. Um, and we can learn from history that, that that's inevitable among groups of humans because humans are neurotic, self-aware creatures and they're going to do that no matter what. And the people who always seem to persevere are those who don't get mired in the, in the, in the muck, who don't get stuck in the the swamp of conflict because it's God, it's such a waste of time and energy to be at odds with people for no reason. Wait till there's, wait till you have a good reason, you know, save, save your energy and your efforts. And, you know, if, if let's say you're in an office and a bunch of people are quarreling about something that you know is just bullshit, that what a great opportunity for you to focus on your work and, get a little bit of an upper hand as far as like your own sense of productivity and achievement goes that's great you know if you're going to be you know it's sort of like being in the jail cell and doing push-ups instead of drawing the lines on the wall at least you're doing something that's good for you you know let's see if in the meantime anyone else has asked a question because we've got 10 minutes left Um. It's a mellow day. Everyone's at work, being being productive, not quarrelling, or maybe maybe they are. I don't know. Hmm. Oh, there's another thing I wanted to discuss, relating back to the gratitude thing. Um, there's this whole misconception that that spirituality is about positivity and I used to think (coughs) excuse me I used to think that as well when I was first getting started before I had meditated for a while not saying I'm some sort of authority on the topic but just personally I've developed a new view on it the same way that someone who focuses on happiness usually finds it really hard to be happy. Like people who are obsessed with becoming happy don't become happy because, like we said earlier, they're setting a goal that's impossible to achieve because what they're trying to do is available for them right now. The mind that distinguishes between positive and negative is the mind that clings to the positive and that is made extremely uncomfortable by the negative. And so, you know, in Zen when we... The, one of the core teachings of Zen is that when we distinguish concepts and when we discriminate and um, prioritize different concepts in relation to one another and create these systems, we're creating our own inability to navigate those systems, if that makes sense. So if you're, focused on po- if you're too focused on positivity you're not going to build a holistic spirituality or sense of self or a sense of happiness because you're not exposing yourself to everything, you know? Part of the process of of spirituality is the sense of acceptance and maybe even a little bit of experimenting with indulgence in the negative. Um, In the Indian cosmology, It's believed that the light came out of the darkness. And so, if we can't embrace darkness and we can't embrace negativity and we can't understand that it has a place and that a lot of what we experience in this world and what is true is uh, profoundly dark or negative or whatever you want to call it. If we can't acknowledge that and accept that, we're going to stay stuck and it's going to it pushes us further away from what we perceive as the positive, because when you're clinging, if you cling to the opposite of a thing, you prevent yourself from experiencing that the totality, which is what gives you the thing that you want to begin with. (coughs) So, (coughs) the experience of the absence of the negative is what produces in you the desire for the positive, Um, but you can't have that without the other. So that's just, I think that's really important to remember. I see, you know, there's a lot of people who, like, deny themselves negativity as if it's, as if the, the, the ground is lava and it's going to burn them or something if they involve themselves in it. Um, and that's sort of a fearful, cowardly response, in my opinion. Um, and i have found a lot of spiritual texts and spiritual teachers who've said the same thing uh it's good to learn how to suffer and it's good to learn what you don't like and what you don't want and not to pretend that everything's gravy and that you should accept everything and be cool with everything or that you are you know like it's it's arrogant to say that you know that Everything is the same and everything is good and everything's cool and everything's going to be fine. You know, that sounds like the something that a crazy person mutters to themselves while they're in a plane staring at the ocean that they're about to hit, you know. Um, There's no reason to deny reality just to make yourself feel good. Um, If you're going to do that, you might as well, you know, just grab the bottle and the cigarettes and call it a day. There's no real reason to try to push through life if we're just going to pretend that the dark side of things is, isn't there, if we don't look at it. And one of my goals with acquiring spiritual knowledge and um, studying these things and having a venue to communicate them to other people is to remind people to, when they're suffering, to really feel it and to really understand it and get to know it. When you're feeling, when you're in the darkness, you know, if, you're, if you walk around in, in the darkness, if you turn your light off and you walk, walk around, for example, your eyes start to adjust and you start to be able to make things out, and it becomes a little bit less terrifying and a little bit less uncertain. And so, parlaying that metaphor to the, this metaphysical discussion we're having if you can find it, the strength in yourself to navigate negativity and suffering and difficulty and darkness with a sort of neutral confidence and get to know it better and feel comfortable in it, that only helps you overall as a human. You know, Getting lost in it isn't a good thing, but getting lost in positivity is also not a good thing. I mean, have you ever met someone who's pretending that everything, you know, <laughs> it, who's in a burning building and won't admit that they're in a burning building, you know, that's not a good quality to have. And I don't think there's a a really, there's a lot of new age, you know, uh, hokey pokey American spiritual writers who would try to maybe tell you that it's possible to live a life of pure posi- pure positivity and happiness. But I think it's important to to navigate Every different, the, whole, the full spectrum of what you're capable of feeling and understanding. Uh, the whole total, totality of what it is to be is what's going to provide you with that deep sense of, of belonging. Which is all we're looking for again from these clinging to concepts, clinging to things, clinging to people, whatever it is. All of that clinging is just this desire to feel at home as we are. And so let's start there, you know, let's get to the root of the problem and figure out how to feel at home as we are instead of extend that impulse to all of these weird different behaviors and tangential activities and beliefs that don't actually really have much of an influence on whether or not we have that sense of spiritual fulfillment. So, yeah. I think that's a good place to stop thank you <coughs> sorry i got some dust in my throat i think thank you for listening um i hope that you'll suggest some topics to me on twitter twitter.com slash daily my name is charlie ambler uh if you found this podcast not through twitter or you've never heard of it before i hope that you'll consider checking out my book if you liked what you heard Uh, It's a 280-page book of essays on these topics and more relating to Zen, spirituality, the modern world, meditation, mindfulness, and everything. Um, It's on Amazon. You can just search Daily Zen. Hopefully it will come up quickly. Thanks for listening, and I will see you or talk to you again very soon. Bye.